This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. Fabiola, how are you? Hey, Leo. So we are back for another episode. It is number... 69? Yes. Wow, we're almost wrapping season seven. Mm -hmm. Just one more episode next week. Unbelievable. It's crazy. Yeah, next month is going to be what? The two years? Two years. Yeah, I think we did our first one on the, um, I want to say it was the, it's like the first week of December or something like that uh, was the very first one. Yeah, outside. Yeah, because I remember we, we had gone to Brazil right yeah. after Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and then we, we set up on the uh, the beach. Remember we were renting that house? Yeah. And uh, you could hear the waves crashing. So if you go back to episode one, you can hear the waves. Actually, the first few episodes, you can hear those waves, because we were probably only, what, 100 yards from mm-hmm. the edge of the ocean yeah, those there. three months we recorded outside yeah no it was really nice with the rain and sometimes the with bugs. the frog <laughs> <laughs> oh there she is here she is so uh we've got our guest let's bring her on hang on one second All right, we have our guest on the line, and uh, I'm going to do a quick introduction here so you all know who we're speaking to. And today, we have Lindsay Tuttle on the show. Lindsay is a mother, family nurse practitioner, homesteader holistic living advocate that currently resides in North Idaho. Hey, I've heard of that place. Yeah, me too. She believes (laughs) that we were created to not just be well, but to thrive. She has over 15 years experience working in the health and wellness industry, but even better than that, Lindsay has had firsthand experience having gone through almost every symptom in the book, and she's come to the conclusion that you can heal yourself. You can heal the very things you have been told that are chronic and that you uh, that they're also saying that they cannot be healed. And Lindsay is a guide to help people discover their own inner healer and intuition while helping to establish a container to achieve lifelong wellness, peace, and abundance. Lindsay is certified as a family nurse practitioner, mind, body, spirit, release practitioner, Reiki practitioner, and an EFT tapping practitioner. Lindsay also has extensive experience as a coach and motivational speaker, and she knows the importance of mindset and how it plays into achieving our optimal health pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, as well as helping women become the best version of themselves. Welcome to the Collective Resistance, Lindsay. Hey, Lindsay. You need to work on me. me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm like listening to all of that, and I was like, oh, I... That's you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm grateful. Well, I'm grateful. Um, I've been in the middle of moving and then in in postpartum, so... There's a lot of tabs open, you know? There's a lot of tabs <laughs> so. open. I can't imagine. So we are grateful to have you on, and we're sure that you're going to spark a lot of questions and 
maybe a lot of answers for a lot of people. You know, they're struggling with either chronic disease or chronic fatigue or chronic something, you know, these days, these days. Yeah. It's just, there's a lot going on. Well, and we met last week at a friend's house. We had some great conversation there. We were like, all right. Yeah. Okay. She's a good conversationalist. We need to get her on the podcast, Mm -hmm. you know, because she knows how to tell some stories. So Mm -hmm. Fabi, where do you want to start today? So Lindsay, share with us, please, your journey. Yeah. So it's important to note that I haven't always been more holistic minded or understanding just root cause wellness or any of that. I grew up in a very, uh, you know, takes take an antibiotic for every whim. It was not a holistic home by any means, but that's all that my family knew. And uh, it was it was when I was a child that I actually wound up just being sick often. I, I developed an eating disorder. And when I was getting out of high school, uh, decided to pursue nursing, it was sometime during nursing school or after I graduated nursing school that I discovered a book called Gut and Psychology Syndrome by Dr. Natasha McBride. And that was, I think, just my first light bulb moment in my health journey because it was putting together that what I went through mentally had a root. And I just had never learned that in nursing school. It was just very much pharmaceutical based. You spend just a very short amount of time um, with nutrition. When I say short amount of time, it's like, you know, one one month. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I, that, that book really was eye opening for me to say like, okay, there was something to this. So that started things And then it was uh, later on when I was in graduate school that I actually wound up getting a Tdap shot. I was just starting to question vaccines. I I feel like even in the integrative health world, it was not something that was questioned still. Like I worked with functional medicine practitioners who still promoted shots. And so I just was starting to question that. And I wound up getting uh, the Tdap and I had a reaction within 24 hours where I had numbness and tingling. I had burning pain in my hands and feet that went on throughout my entire body. I thought maybe I had Guillain-Barre. I mean, it was just so out of this world and out of body experience. And I went to practitioner, practitioner. Nobody could tell me what was going on. Everybody said it was in my head when I started bringing up is this connected maybe to this shot that I got. Everybody said, absolutely not. And a couple months later, I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia and I was given a prescription for Lyrica. And I just knew in my gut that was not it. I said, this can't be it. This can't be my life. I mean, I was a marathon runner. And then a month later, I can barely get out of bed. Like it just didn't add up. Mm -hmm. And that's when I pursued, I just pursue, there has to be a different path. And I started working with a naturopath. And it was around that time that I got pregnant with my oldest. Uh, That was not planned, but um, (laughs) that seems to be how it goes with with my kids, at least. It's just... um, I have the same experience. (laughs) Yeah. And all my uh, symptoms actually went into remission during that pregnancy, which if you're familiar with just autoimmune illness that can very typically happen as they symptoms go into remission during pregnancy. And so I uh, didn't really 
dig too much into things during that time, but I had started to really detox what I was eating, detox my home, just look for ways that I was avoiding anything that could be inflammatory. And I really started digging into vaccines and just root cause medicine and the whys behind the it's, all of it. But it was when I was postpartum that I started to have symptoms return. I actually pursued the diagnosis of Lyme because I kept doing all this other testing. Nothing came back positive. Mm-hmm. I did come back positive for Lyme. So it's like a whole other discussion because I do believe that, um, you know, with shots, they can really bring about any sort of latent or dormant infections that are in the body. So, um, yeah, then I was in an office that I was, uh, that I was in and, and working in that had mold. And so anyways, <laughs> to make the long story short, um, you know, I, I wound up getting very sick and I was dealing with primarily a lot of pain symptoms. And so uh, that led me to pursue a lot of different treatments. I mean, I did stem cell treatments, my own stem cells. I did magnet therapies. I did IV treatments. I did ozone. Uh, the thing that really actually made the most profound difference for my healing journey was when I started focusing on the emotional and spiritual roots to illness, as well as doing brain retraining and somatic work. So really learning how I could shift the inner narrative, how I could shift the subconscious narrative and really start uh, creating a new reality for my body and for my health. And so that's been really cool, really empowering. I'm I'm still healing. I think we always are, Um, but it's just been really cool to uh, learn more about that and be able to share that too. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, from com- coming from mainstream um, yeah. med- medicine, basically, um, what was the experience with your peers when you're like sick and you think it's the shot? I mean, and people, your doctor doesn't believe you or the people you're going to don't believe you. And then you have, you start figuring things out and you have the shift. I mean, how, did the, how does the system behave yeah, around you no, when you're in really- it? It is really interesting because, you know, I I will say, I think a lot of nurses do have an appreciation or they're observing what's going on. A lot of people are scared to kind of leave that, that narrative. It's very scary to, you know, have to, like you said, like be able to take a stand and and do that in front of peers. Uh, But I, I feel like, you know, initially people thought that was very strange and and bizarre, but I also, it wasn't that I was just straight out. Maybe this doesn't matter. It wasn't like I was straight out of nursing school or anything. I feel like I had really earned the respect of my peers. I was, then when I was working as a practitioner, when I was um, working at the hospital, I was a charge nurse. So it wasn't like I, uh, I don't know, maybe I didn't give an impression of I was, I was like a very dedicated nurse, you know, and I was mm-hmm. always creating initiatives for the hospital and everything. So I think there was a lot of curiosity, which was a good thing. And how I've always taken the approach when it comes to, to health and any information about vaccines is I never want to take the approach of you're wrong and this is this is what's the matter and, and that negative kind of connotation. I really want to just give people information and be like, make an empowered choice, right? Mm-hmm. Like, at the end of the day, I want you to feel empowered. I want you to feel informed. And I think people find, are very receptive to that. People are, they resonate with that because it isn't like somebody telling them what not to do. Mm-hmm. 
but but did you feel like there is a um like a, a hidden structure to, to where uh the people in the in the medical establishment are trained to kind of come down on those alternative voices as they start to oh, rear absolutely. up absolutely absolutely and you know what i don't even know i have so much uh just I guess sympathy, empathy for people that are working in the hospital now in the last couple of years, because I haven't worked at the hospital for seven years. And I, I just can't even fathom what it was like during 2020. You know, mm -hmm. the people I talk to, it just sounds horrific. But, you know, it, I, I think that um, it's really hard because I think people are very trapped. I, I think everybody who pursues a health career is interested in helping people it just gets twisted along the way you know like when our education is so largely pharmaceutical funded and then pharmaceutical guided and then it's like i go do my rotations with different doctors and every day a new pharmaceutical rep is bringing a lunch for us to have and educating <laughs> us on a different drug you know i mean it's it's just never ending and then you're kind of stuck in this paradigm of like well to be able to run this practice and to afford and do all these things. Like how many people do I have to see? How many things do I need to build? So we get, they get so trapped into this system. And I think people are very scared to even consider another way, you know, mm -hmm. but I knew when I was in nursing school, I had already kind of had this thought of how can all the answers just be in this textbook, you know, like how can, that explain what's going on with people, you know, it's just a curiosity, but I've always been a very curious person. And um, I think that that really intrigued me with diving into holistic medicine too. But, but do you think though, that the, the paradigm in medicine is not that those people really believe that way is the only way they just know that's the game they've chosen to play. And so they're, they're at least sober to that thought. They're like, well, look, we're playing this game. This is what we're doing. So I get what you're saying. And I think there might be something there, but we can't really go down that path because that's just not the structure that we're, we're playing. Yeah, in. You know, yes and no. I, I think that, um, there's a lot of, a lot of cognitive, cognitive dissonance for sure. And um, I think that I, I will tell you this after 2020 and just the conversations I've had in the past year, I just I won't lose hope on anybody. I mean, I've seen people come out of the woodwork from all different places and, and, and they are starting to see like something seems a little amiss. Right. So I think that's why it's so important. A little amiss. A little. Yeah. I think it's so important, you know, what you guys are doing and just I'm always encouraging people just share your story, share mm -hmm. like what you're learning because it's just always planting seeds. I can look back, I can see all the seeds that were planted for me, you know, like mm -hmm. I remember, you know, making friends when my husband and I were newly married who introduced me to the documentary the business of being born i had never known there was anything besides a hospital birth i had only ever seen in nursing school a hospital birth and everything else was bad you know and so if she had never planted that seed for me i would have never known oh my gosh there's this other really cool thing out there so it just takes people being brave and sharing those things and doing it in love you know but yeah i think a lot of people are really stuck in their in their paradigms for sure
that was one of our wa- that was one of our watershed films too. So it's <laughs> you yeah. know. How did you make your transition then from a system where you know you have the pharmaceutical reps coming and whining and dining everyone, and then everything is about procedures and diagnoses? How did you like decide to make the the leap and and leave and maybe start something that's yours? Well, Without parameters. Yeah, after I went, after I went through that in that injury, the Tdap injury, I knew I could never go back. It was just one of those moments of like I can absolutely never go back to that. Like mm-hmm. I, so, um, you couldn't sh- you couldn't I, give a shot to another human being. Was that one of the? <laughs> well, I definitely, you know, I I feel like with any new patient that was coming in, I, I would just make sure they knew you don't have to get this right now, you know, because mm-hmm. I was taking care of post-open heart patients. And why would I want to be giving them a flu shot literally like a day after they come out of this procedure, you know? So I was always encouraging them, Hey, like you don't have to do anything new right now. Check in with your doctor. You know, most of these people are on so many meds, you know, they don't even know what happening they don't remember the last time they took something or got the shot you know it's just kind of crazy all these different protocols but anyways um I was fortunate that the graduate school that I went to allowed me to choose who I precepted with who I uh, got to choose as my practitioners that I um, learned from and so I did my clinicals with a couple people that were more integrative and I chose that and so I knew after I graduated that I wanted to work with people who were in functional medicine or more integrative. You know, just to clarify to the audience, because a lot of people might not really understand the difference between integrative and functional, would, could you be able to get a, a little background on that so they can have a frame of reference? Yeah, I mean, how I see it, just like an integrative practitioner is they're bringing in, you know, Western and Eastern and other modalities into the healing uh, realm and what they offer with functional medicine. I see that more as like root cause medicine where they're really digging into alternative testing, alternative ways of approaching a diagnosis. And it does tend to lend itself towards more natural routes. Though I wouldn't always say that's the case. I mean, I've, I've worked with functional medicine practitioners that they're not really as familiar with natural remedies as I would like. But they tend to take a more um, root cause approach, whereas integrative, I just see that they're they use that combination. Okay, that's how I have seen it. Okay, so going back to your, I guess, should I say medical history or healing history, um, you first had an issue with eating disorders. You said you came from a family that's pretty traditional, mainstream as far as approaching you know, a cold or a fever or what have you. And then you said you had an eating disorder. And then later in life, you, I'm sure you had many other shots throughout your, your life besides the DTAP, but it looks like that was a breaking point for your body, but that was not yeah. that one shot, right? It was a combination probably totally, of things. Totally. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. Yeah. I think that's so good to highlight because there's that bioaccumulation that takes on over time, um, physical things, emotional things, genetic things, all of it. 
Mm-hmm. So that's what I wanted to talk about. So um, when I had my my last child, I was a little more, I mean, we had gone through some trauma with the first two. Um, me being a new mom, I, I truly believed that being a good mom as a first time mom was to make sure I took my child to the doctor. And I felt that was so misguided for me to have to um, go to someone to tell me how to care for my child. And and that caused so many issues Um, down the line. We had the vaccine injury. We took way more antibiotics that we do yeah. unnecessary, completely unnecessary. unnecessary, completely unnecessary, just because, just in case. And so I thought, well, it was because of the vaccine injury. It was because of the antibiotics. It was because I had misguided um, advice from the pediatrician. But then as we continue in the healing journey, I learned, well, I went to a conference and heard the following, like sick mamas will have sick babies and so never even thought that you know my history would uh, influence my children and then when I had my last child I did everything different where I I had already been uh, I had already changed my lifestyle right at that point uh, my first two children probably took the brunt of the toxic load that I probably inherited from you know my mom and from all the pesticide-filled foods that I ate in my country. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, if we want healthy children, um, and we're about to, we're thinking about conceiving, we're about getting pregnant, what would be your advice for, you know, mamas to be on the topic for generational toxicity? <laughs> yeah, so... I can't say that I've done this as well as I would have liked because I feel like I'm, you know, still detoxing mold and all of that with, um, you know, I, I, I'm postpartum now about nine months postpartum, but what I've used as kind of a guide, and I always recommend this as a guide and, and it's how I love to optimize nutrition, optimize supplementation is uh, the Nourishing Traditions books by uh, Sally Fallon. The Western A price, the Western A price, and um, I just find that they're so 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 helpful for just getting in the mode of preparing, and I really feel like people should be preparing for a good minimum of a year when it comes mm-hmm. to their nutrition. And when you look at other cultures and other countries, and 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 they they wind up. I think it's moms on average wait typically three to four years between kids. You know, that's pretty commonplace in other cultures. Mm -hmm. So, and the reason being too, is to allow your body to get its minerals back up to optimize all of that again. And so I think that, you know, just an observation of seeing here in the States, there really is never any sort of, awareness of what we should be doing postpartum or in that fourth trimester. In fact, wasn't planning on and knowing this until I guess today, but I'm, I'm doing a call with a friend soon, a class to be able to offer like that postpartum and beyond that fourth trimester, which I feel like is so neglected, oh, but yeah. ultimately, um, you know, 
it, it's really key to be allowing your body to rest and get nourished and slow down. I mean, especially that whole first year postpartum, your pelvic floor is still recovering your hormones. And I think in our culture in the U.S., it's just, you know, well, how are you getting back to your pre-baby body? And how are you getting back to work and all these things? And and some of it, you know, it, it's just what we've normalized as a culture. Mm-hmm. And I really love the book, uh, The First 30 Days, which is focused more on nourishing a mom from the uh, Chinese culture and what they do really encouraging rest in in their culture. And so to your point of of preparing, uh, I feel like nutrition, optimizing nutrition is really key. But even even beyond that, I think being very aware of your stress load is really, really key because I really feel like where there is so much infertility now, Yes, there is a big toxin load, but there's a whole lot of um, just stress that people are taking on and our bodies were never made to function in that way. Okay, so we can shift then a little bit because from my, uh, I guess my healing journey and my family's healing journey was all about, you know, nutrition, all about your environment, the toxicities in your environment, your lifestyle, really, and the stuff about like your mind and your spirit was kind of left, you know, kind of woo woo with stuff you can't see is stuff, you know, it's not tangible. So there's not, what, what are you going to do? You could pray, I guess. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, we were having a conversation when we met about how I believe that for me to be well, I got to be taking all these supplements. And for my kids to be well, they got to be taking all the supplements. For the whole family, we got to be eating well and we're got to be taking all the supplements. Otherwise, you know, hell will break loose. So what are the other pieces, I guess, that we could be addressing besides managing the toxic load and changing our lifestyle? Totally. And To back up a little further, so there's been a lot of great studies showing that what you're consuming is affecting up to like six generations beyond you. In fact, I think at one point I read seven too. Um, Consuming (laughs) as far as foods and... Probably probably everything, maybe not just food, probably consuming mentally, right? Right. So I believe too that that that's a huge component. What are we consuming mentally and what have we gone through when it comes to different traumas? So if you've read the book or are familiar with Dirty Jeans by uh, Ben Lynch. I have heard you know, the book. I haven't read it. So, I mean, you know, people are always talking about genetic mutations mm-hmm. and, you know, all these different variants. Mm-hmm. But MTHFR is a big, is a big one. <laughs> right, right. At the end of the day, right, like, your genes load the gun, but what pulls the trigger? The, what pulls the trigger is what kind of toxins you're keeping in your environment. How? What are you doing when it comes to your nutrition? But what are you doing when it comes to your thoughts? You know, your body is 99.9999% energy. So you are able to influence everything in your body with your thoughts and your act, like your actions. And, you know, the subconscious mind is 95% of what are your thoughts, you know? So it's, it is really important to keep that in mind. And when I think of just kind of, I, I think it's good to be aware of, you know, 
different stressors that families have gone through in their past and how that bioaccumulates as well. So whether you went through, I mean, I think of like Great Depression and then when people went through World War II and then, you know, all these different things. That and now COVID. <laughs> right. And it's like, how is this going to affect generations to come unless we are really being mindful and aware of being able to heal those things and to be able to nourish ourselves um, because that bioaccumulates as well. It bioaccumulates like through your genes. So like my children are going to inherit, you know, my makeup and my husband's makeup. And so you feel like whatever traumas we had and then whatever traumas maybe our parents had or our great, you know, just humanity in general is going to then, if it's not resolved, it's going to affect the next generation. It can, right? Like it's something that you can be potentially carrying since we're all connected through the quantum field. I believe just with, in, in regards to energy, you know, um, it's, it's like we can be carrying on emotions that is something that our parents had or our grandparents had because that can imprint on the DNA. Oh, so okay. whether it's necessarily something that you'll actually struggle with, mm -hmm. um, I think that this winds up being a really influential component too. Mm -hmm. So how do you um, get a sense then, let's say that you have a chronic, um, a chronic issue, like for example, a chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia, um, and you're trying to do all the right things, like you were doing all the right things, how do you start actually exploring, could this be more of a mind or spirit, or are you doing the three together or how, how do you connect a dot? Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you what book really introduced me all to this. Cause I was like, I had never heard of this. Okay. So I think two years after I had been dealing with Lyme, I read a book called, um, uh, Oh goodness. I'm going to blank out. I, I can think <laughs> of the author author. It's Amy Sure, And it's like, uh, I'm going to get heal a yourself. How do you, it's how to heal yourself when no one else can. I'm going to get a so pencil. I got to write down all these books. <laughs> yeah. How to heal yourself when no one else can okay. by Amy Sure. Okay. And totally changed my life because it helped me recognize just the different patterns that can be present that can cause this sort of dis-ease in the body, right? We have to break down disease a little bit further. It's dis-ease in the body. I, I truly believe too, it's a misalignment with where you are in your own soul's journey. So that's oh, like a whole nother okay. conversation. Wow. <laughs> I, I think that when we're not in alignment with like how we are supposed to be in the world or, or like our, our true path, like, you know, we'll come out of alignment and that can create just dis-ease, right? Mm -hmm. So that book just introduced me to different modalities with when it came to mindset and thoughts and, um, I'm going to be really honest. So I had shared just that all these things kind of led up to the vaccine injury that I went through. Mm -hmm. The other component of that is that I did grow up in a home where there was abuse and there was a lineage of that abuse. Uh, I grew up in um, dealing with like these obsessive thoughts with the eating disorder of like perfectionism and needing, and that turned into like exercise. And then I was always this type A 
over like driving perfectionism personality always had to do a million things never rested right so this kind of builds up the energy that lends itself towards illness right that's not in alignment with how the body's created to be now whether that would affect necessarily my health now or you know maybe a generation from now but when you look at other cultures i mean I don't feel like this is necessarily, you don't deal with the same sort of rates of chronic illness or autoimmune illness in say Europe or in some of these uh, other cultures where they embrace more rest, they embrace more slowness. There's not this drive to be working like 90 hour weeks. It's mm -hmm. just, that's not normalized, right? right. Um, being in front of a screen all day under fluorescent lights, you know, people mm -hmm. are outside, they're in community, they live by their family, right? There's more of this, this tone. Um, I also had read this book, I really love Louise Hay, she's somebody who healed her cancer naturally. And she wrote the book, um, you can heal yourself. Mm -hmm. And you can heal your body. She wrote both of those books. And it really dives into, again, like, what do you need to release? There's this other other really amazing book that is like you'll nerd out you'll forever have this in your arsenal. <laughs> I'm coming to your library. <laughs> oh, I love this book. I wish I had it right next to me right now, but I know it's in my bedroom. So it's called Metaphysical Anatomy, and it dives into a lot of the emotional roots behind illness and some things that are common that come up in lineage and in in the family. And so it's really interesting because I looked up like stuff with chronic fatigue and Lyme and it was literally like reading a biography of my, my own story, like wow. an autobiography. It was just wild. Um, but it's just because like these patterns lend itself where the body just becomes out of alignment. And when you look at Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic medicine, they've already been on top of this for a long time, seeing how these emotional comp components or how the constitution is what lends itself to there being a misalignment and illness. So I think that this is where- What is the constitution? Just your body's being. Like if you are in a being of, of health um, or, or you know, with, with Chinese medicine, they're looking more at like, if you are, if the body is sometimes damp, it's more prone to illness. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting, or like in Ayurvedic, they look at lot, a lot at your dosha. Mm -hmm. Dosha. Is that like a chi or prana? Or... Uh, yeah. So I'm not as familiar. I don't have memorized the different doshas, but mm -hmm. they basically are looking at how your constitution can lend itself towards being more predisposed to certain things, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's just an invitation I think Ill going through illness is always an invitation to re return back to self, right? Oh, wow. um, and where you can do that with your kids is being more proactive on your own healing, whether mm -hmm. you're going through illness or not, mm -hmm. knowing that they're sharing the they're sharing an energy field with you, and they are learning, especially in their the first few years of life as the vagus nerve is being developed, they're really like honing in on your nervous system habits. So it's oh. like, how do you respond to stress? Oh, um, so this is something <laughs> there's a double whammy here. How do we respond? I've only to really stress. become aware of this in the last couple of years and just thinking about, okay, like 
how am I honoring my nervous system, knowing that this is something that is, is part of my legacy, really, mm-hmm. you know, giving this, this is something that we can give to our kids. I think I probably went off on a little tangent. No, no, let's question, talk about but... then honoring because pretty soon we, we're going to talk about strategies. Uh, but honoring your nervous system, what does that look like? And if you can give like a, a real world or a day, a day in your life example for, you know, for instance. Yeah, so I think where people get really challenged by this is almost everybody I meet says, I don't have time. I'm so busy. How can I, how can I do these things? And truly, I, I think that is actually a little bit of nervous system dysregulation. I think everybody now, and, and I'm not in any way knocking ADHD and ADD whatsoever, but I feel like that's almost like um, trendy or just like, I feel like everybody's saying now, well, I have ADHD and I, you know, I just can't focus. Okay. So why is that? Like, are we doing too many things? Why do we have too many tabs open? What needs to shift and change? I, I just, I like to like zoom out here because I just feel like it's kind of just becoming code for like, oh, we're so busy and we can't focus, you know, but why is that, right? Like that wasn't the case probably 50 years ago. So mm-hmm. um, I feel like just honing in on nervous system health is looking for ways that you are in a mode of self-care and in a mode of listening and, and honing in on your own intuition. Because I truly believe that when we're actually quiet with ourselves, there everybody has that gift of intuition. It's not something that you have to go to a healer for, you know, like we have the ability to tap into that and to tap into um, shifting our, our neurostate. So meditation, for example, has been shown when you are doing repetitive meditation, it puts you in this delta wave of um, like what is something that people have experienced during sleep when they are really getting a lot of healing and regenerative healing in the body. Mm-hmm. So how are we quieting our systems and how are we making the time? And I'm really big into people just figuring out how to do this throughout the day in two minute intervals, five minute intervals, like a program that I used to help me with my health was DNRS and it's a brain retraining program. Okay. And that program focuses on like 30 minutes and 60 minutes. And I see a lot of people get overwhelmed. The thing that you have to 30 minutes. Yeah. Just, I'm like, can I just starting out is just see it as like a couple minutes, you know? So something I focus on, for example, just when I'm driving and it's become habit only because I've had repetition. So just know if you're just starting out, just remember it's like 21 days, 21 days t- starts to reprogram the brain. So okay. one thing I am pretty consistent with when I'm driving and it's very helpful because driving feels stressful it's when your kids are screaming in the car and <laughs> you get if you're in North Idaho, you get behind like 10 trains. So you're like, like, again. Um, but I will focus on four, seven, eight breathing. So that is a type of breathing that is really great for calming the nervous system. And so, so it's four, seven, eight. So inhaling for four seconds, holding for seven seconds, exhaling for eight seconds. Oh, wow. And it's really powerful too. If you're even when you exhale, if you're kind of using like your throat part of the body, that's even more powerful for supporting the vagus nerve and, and kind of calming the system. Mm-hmm. Another simple thing is just implementing cold showers. Even if you just did that, like, 
one day a week where you're making sure to alternate where you're doing, okay, 30 seconds cold shower, um, two minutes warm, 30 minutes cold. Another thing that I'll do You mean is, 30 seconds cold, right? Yeah, another Not 30 thing minutes. that I'd like to do <laughs> I guess that would is be just, hard. is just like doing meditation or, you know, making it a point during my day to journal or reflect on things that I'm grateful for. This is a really great one that is easy to bring kids into is just that gratitude practice because that is something that start with healing the body too. Um, Let's so it's, go back I to think, the cold showers for just a second before you give. Yeah. So what do the cold showers do? I think I got, so you're talking about the vagus nerve or the vagal state. And what is the opposite of that? So let's go there first for, for, you know, listeners that have no idea what that is. Yeah. And I don't feel like I'm an expert by any means, but typically I, I feel like most people, to be honest, I was actually listening to a great podcast on this maybe six months ago. It was part of the Weston A. Price podcast. And I forget what specific episode it was, but the person was sharing data, sharing that like 70% of Americans are in a fight or flight state at any given point in time. And I honestly I'm raising my was hand. surprised. I was surprised that it wasn't more. I mean, I just think people are walking around just in such a frenzy. So this is bringing me back to my point of like the ADHD. Like, is it that? I don't think so. I think that people just don't even know how to sit down. People don't know how to be quiet and be bored. You know, people just don't even know how to do that. Now we have constant stimulation. So with that fight or flight state, that has the, um, with that, Typically, you know, you're, it, it's like, imagine being in front of a lion, you know, and, and having a lion like roar at you, but you're never coming out of that state, right? Like any other animal in the wild, you know, if they get attacked, they're able to come off of that high. And then even, you know, they'll go into freeze to, to trick their predator that they're dead. And then the predator leaves them alone and then they run off. So they know how to adapt and adjust. Unfortunately, what is happening with So many of us, especially I would say, you know, in the, in the States, in the, in the Western culture is that we get stuck in this fight or flight where we're in a free state and we can't come out of it. You know, we're just always in such a go, go, go state. The cortisol is that's going me up. that's me Adrenals <laughs> are secreting yep cortisol that puts you in this constant inflammatory state. So talk about shots. I think that a lot of people are in a chronic inflammatory state and then they're just adding in, you know, it, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. So mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, focusing on these things that help you get out of that is so counterculture, but that is the medicine. That is the medicine. That was one of the reasons that we moved to where we, move now. Like we got out of the city. I could never have imagined myself not living in the city. Um, I just have always been a convenience person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, convenience I've really unlearned that. will get you. Um, yeah, I've, I've really unlearned that and just learning to slow down, slow it, slowing down as medicine, you know, but it is very counterculture. So with the cold showers, it's just things that are nurturing to the nervous system. So even just like gargling or singing, um looking for these little things that you can incorporate throughout your day and then it becomes habit 
is just really grounding for the nervous system. So the cold um, shower, going back to the cold shower. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm thinking of, you know, cold shower to me. I mean, when I want to decompress and just relax, the warm shower, right? That's what I think about. I don't think of a, I think a cold shower would just make me more awake. Well, is it a way it to- is, It's just, it's helping your body to be able to adapt to the change. And, and that's why even oh. in- like a cold climate, like I, I think I'm trying to remember that the studies I had seen just that people that have lived in these really super cold temperatures have better health because of the fact that their body has had to adapt oh, to that really? too. Okay. Um, so it, it's really kind of helping to tone your vagus nerve. Okay. And the more that you tone that after all the other stressors it's getting, the more you're optimizing your whole body. So when you're toning your vagus nerve, you're basically coming out of that fight and uh, fight and flight, flight and fight. I always get those confused. Fight or flight. Fight or flight. And then um, it's putting you in that sympathetic state. Does that? Yeah, you're getting more into a parasympathetic state. Um, oh, parasympathetic. State. So, right. yeah. And the thing is, you know, it, it's good to have the fight or flight. That's like a helpful thing. But right. the thing is people if you're are running from a bear, a grizzly bear <laughs> in northern Idaho, is, so people are going through these different traumas. And then the body, the subconscious mind has an archive of everything that you've ever gone through. Any sort of virus, any sort of trauma, anything that has just had that influence on your life. I mean, it keeps an archive to what extent it like takes in everything is going to be very bio-individual, you know, because mm -hmm. it not everything that is stressful for your body is stressful for my body. Right. But, mm -hmm. um, that's where I think so much of the work that I'm really passionate about is really geared towards helping to release that and help to, um, start getting the body into that alignment again of how I believe we were innately created to be, which was healthy, you know, mm -hmm. and not in these frenzied states. And I only see this guys, I only see this getting worse unless we make a drastic change. Mm -hmm. We're only being more bombarded with more stimulation and more right. noise, you know, it's just like, we have to, we have to turn it down. So mm -hmm. Well, and I wonder, like when we talk about like the the pandemic, I mean, that just amped things up to where people were in this state of fear 24 hours a day, you know, the tickers are going by with the death counts. And so if you can never, I mean, it was already difficult to get out of the state and then now it's just impossible. So, I mean, I, I don't know what your assessment like of the pandemic. I mean, do you think that that we saw a lot of people that were actually inducing themselves into sickness because of the 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 stress levels that they were putting themselves under i for sure i mean i don't think it was helpful i i think that i've seen a lot of people since that point who've been dealing with more thyroid issues and hormone issues because of the amount of stress during that time mm -hmm. for sure yeah so do you think there are patterns that you see on um most people like let's say you're gonna see five different um should i call them patients or what what do you call the people that you work with <laughs> yeah i say patients or clients yeah. or clients and you're seeing you know five or ten and you're talking to them and you see like 
the similarities, these patterns among them. Do you, do you see that? And can you like pinpoint like let's say I don't know top three or top five things yeah, that people should be know, conscious and maybe looking out for? Yeah, I mean, I think that honestly, the root is always the same with with everybody. Okay. But I, I think the biggest patterns that I see is that people have a lot of um, grief and a lot of uh, maybe sadness, grief, shame, guilt, things that they are holding on to um, that typically will show up in the gut and then the thyroid and then um, and the lungs, especially with grief. And uh, a lot was of was COVID a bunch of grief then, you know, people that were because it was really central as the lungs, you know, that was. Yeah, I mean, that's seeing. a whole other conversation. I talked with people about that being it, that it was a very like spiritual component because Corona and then mm -hmm. um, virus. I, I've had I feel like I've had so many deep dives with other people on this topic, but mm -hmm. Um, oh, we would love to hear, please. <laughs> well, I'm still trying to figure it out, you know, like, what, you know, it's like a Pandora's box. Oh, for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So I really got into tapping. So I, I had gotten through, um, or I had gone through COVID last August, 2021. I was like, I had gotten it when I was 12 weeks pregnant. Now I've dealt with some mast cell symptoms before from, um, Lyme and mold. So fortunately, I feel like that is almost completely taken care of at this point. Amazing. But at the time I was still having a little bit of flare ups and I, uh, postpart or after I had gotten the COVID, maybe it was like six or eight weeks after that, I started having some mast cell symptom flare ups, which I had read, um, actually is something that can happen with long COVID. Some of these mast cell things come up and that's why I think some of the um, treatments they had on different protocols were mast cell stabilizers and um, trying to remember what was one of the other things that was on it. But anyways, I started learning and digging into tapping because I had been reading these studies of people who had gone to the ER during all this. There was no oxygen available. And they had been taught the modality of tapping and they were able to bring up their oxygen rate. Um, wow. So what is that? Yeah, I know a lot of people aren't going to know what that is. Yeah. I have a little bit of familiarity. So tapping, yeah, it's um, an EFT, emotional freedom technique. And it is focusing on these different acupressure points of the body that are um, that kind of signal to the body just to kind of interrupt any sort of feedback loops that the body might be in the process of. It helps to also kind of stimulate different meridians to support health. Mm -hmm. And so it was just really interesting. And I remember them saying on, on um, I think I had heard that some of this research on a podcast, I remember them saying like, don't make this too public. So anyways, good thing we're on Rumble. <laughs> yes, there <laughs> but, you go. Um, yeah. But, we try YouTube, saying. but they cut us off like within a couple yeah, of days. They were just saying how it was such a powerful mo modality. I think so much of clearly when people are under the stress of like fearing, I just found that everybody who was going through COVID, you know, people get very, you know, they're, 
they have the test and then they're stressed about the symptoms and when will mm-hmm. this go away? And, you know, it's, it's kind of this fright and frenzy. Mm-hmm. And then if your oxygen levels are going down that as a result of decreasing oxygen levels, you have increased anxiety. Of course. So anyways, um, you know, it's just really cool to see how there was this modality and I incorporated it and I felt like it was really helpful in just getting just my ner- nervous system health back on track. Mm-hmm. But um, I just think that, again, a lot of this is nervous system dysregulation. So if okay. like you are finding that symptoms are lingering, that is saying like, okay, there's there's just things that are not optimized within the body or things are out of alignment and you need mm-hmm. to start bringing it in. Um, you were saying yeah, then I, it was, um, and, and before I interrupted you, you were saying that the patterns that you see had to do with your gut and your thyroid. Is that right? Did I get that right? Or the yeah, adrenals and like thyroid? people are definitely dealing with more of that, more, um, I mean, just anxiety and, and depression in general. I mm-hmm. think people, I, I find a lot of people have just been less inspired and, and less motivated. And granted, we went straight from all of that kind of to like in a recession now. So it's just mm-hmm. been like one thing after another. Mm-hmm. But I think also people, so going back to coronavirus, I think coronavirus in, in on a spiritual sense. So this may sound boo-boo to people, but oh, no, we love I that. Think that it was in many ways meant to push people into like, what are you stepping into now? Like, right? Like you're either like stepping into a new dimension or are you staying back? So I felt like it really was very, like a lot of people came out of that very like awakened to what they felt like their purpose was mm-hmm. or what they needed to be doing next. Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of like a push, like, oh, for sure. Are yeah. you, are you on the right track or not? That's, I, that's kind of what I feel like I've seen from just so many people that I've met who literally the beginning of 2020 were a completely different person than they are now. Like oh, yeah. it was just a push in a sense. And so I just feel like, you know, from that though, whenever we evolve and whenever we're shedding layers of that old self, there is grief, right. You know, cause we are having to go through a metamorphosis of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. I know that actually, as you say that, I'm like, okay, maybe I do have some grief. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely. Yeah. I I think that we all, we all do. I mean, it's just, there was a lot that happened during that time. And it really, um, yeah, it, it definitely brought up a lot of things. I think it really showed us as a collective where so much healing needs to happen. Like, I feel like more than ever, I was brought, it was brought to my awareness, all these different patterns of my past that I was like, these just can't come with me moving forward, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I know like we moved, you know, we made a big move to come here to Idaho and, and, uh, and uh, you guys made a big move too. Yeah. And, and many people with men. Many people. And, and so, I mean, there's a little bit of grief there because, you know, you're, you're like, you're, you're, you're you're going from where you know everyone to where you know no one, you know, and, and uh, it, it's, it's, it, new it's, it's new territory. It's weird for a bit. 
Yes. But now you can tell I'm like part of the Idaho <laughs> yeah. I love that. I need one. I, I haven't even gotten one. But let's go back to then some some strategies then. We talked about the patterns and we talked a little bit about the strategies and we're then going back to yeah, lifestyle, diet, exercise. This is all very important, but we can't forget the component of you know, our, our traumas, dealing with our stress and finding quiet time to connect with ourselves, to calm down our nervous system. You talked about meditation. You talk about tapping. Where can people find more information about tapping if they want to learn that technique? Oh, goodness. So um, I got introduced to tapping through uh, Brad Yates on YouTube. This was years ago. Brad Yates. Yeah, who isn't? Who's like, you know, tapping. Um, <laughs> I really, I, I think I got introduced to it from Brad Yates and I always really resonated with him because one of the biggest fears that people have going through chronic illness is um, a fear of just never getting better. And so I just felt like his, his tapping routines that he did just really always resonated with me. Um, but you can go, I would just say go on YouTube and do like look up Brad Gates. Um, and, and if you were to look up basic tapping exercises, you'd find great ones because it really isn't like a, a science by any means. It's really just tapping into acknowledging what you're feeling and actually sitting with it. Right. Okay. So, um, and then kind of like working through that. So the other thing that I feel like is really helpful as a modality, and it's something that I love to be able to help patients with is somatic work. And that is really having a mind body connection. It's learning how to be in your body and safe in your body. I think, you know, just from such a young age, um, many people just don't even know what that's like. Again, everybody's just on go, go, go. The kids are on go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people just don't know how to actually be aware of what it's like to feel and be present in their body. Um, it's been really interesting to learn. I started learning the somatic path um, maybe a year ago mm -hmm. uh, after finding some of Peter Levine's work. I also really like Irene Lyons, who she has some different courses and it just made such a profound difference in my health. Mm -hmm. And I think just because, you know, I never, looking back, never really knew, like, I never really felt being inside my body. I mean, it's just, it's kind of like going back to as if you were an infant, in a sense, like learning how to feel everything again, like your joints, you know, different muscles, really like connecting to every single part of your body. And that is so grounding for the nervous system. Um, learning how to orient. So people that are stuck in this fight or flight state, they're not oriented. They're not connected to their their actual surroundings um, because that actually takes them out of that free state. So, you know, learning how to connect with your environment and using your senses. Like how often are we actually breathing and using our senses out in our environment? I would say maybe 1% of the time. I mean, people aren't doing it. So mm -hmm. that's a lot of the somatic work is retraining yourself to actually utilize your senses. A big thing for me with just healing with the eating disorder, which I really feel like was very foundational with just all these things that came up with my health was 
how do I, how do I behave when I'm eating food? Right. So I realized my pattern was that I was always in a hurry or I was always thinking like replaying so many things in my head when I was eating. Right. I was never actually like tasting, chewing, sitting, you know, it's, it's getting back to the basics of that. And honestly, I mean, I feel like most people would reverse their indigestion if they just learn how to chew and sit, you know? Wow. I'm going to try that. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's those basic things, um, that they're free, you know, like I, I feel like everybody's kind of seeking the next big thing. I uh, wanted to do like a, a post or a chat on just like, why health trends are toxic and granted not they're not necessarily my point being from it was just that everybody's kind of looking for the next thing and i'm totally into it too i'm such a workshop junkie i love looking for all the new things but it's truly like the free things the basic things that are mm-hmm. offer the most healing mm-hmm. i think it's just part of the human spirit to kind of like rebel against that you know right right um, right but we already created you know to do those things so Anyways, kind of the somatic work is, is learning to connect and be present with, with that. Um, a big thing that I incorporate that I love that I got trained in this past year is mind, body, spirit release work, which is very similar to emotion code. If you're familiar with emotion code, if you haven't read emotion code, I highly recommend it. Um, but yeah, uh, mind, body, spirit How do you get work. time to read all this? Oh, you're so funny. Um, so I did it. I feel like in the past year, I've really gotten back to really enjoying reading again and fictional reading. Fictional reading is a really great way to kind of support your nervous system too. Really? Because that's one thing I was like, I'm not going to read fiction. There's all right? these so other I books. I felt the same way. I was just like, how can I um, not be reading something that is like all about like how I'm helping the body or self-development, you right, know, right, and right. I did reading fiction and it helped me actually get creative again, oh, you know, because wow. I'm just reading, it's like fantasy, you know? So it's uh-huh. like, you know, when you're envisioning that you're using different brain patterns, you know? Oh man, um, that's amazing. So yeah, I feel like even if you just read a chapter a day, you know, but, um, now, you know, get out the red light at night and read. <laughs> no, but, um, what was I saying before? This? Well, you were talking emotional about you were talking code. about emotion code. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So with with mind body spirit release work, it's a little different than emotion code, but it is focusing on the fact that we store these emotions in the body. They can be generational, and um, and and you know they can be sticking in organs, and there can be emotions that are impacting neurotransmitters and hormones in the body. And if we're not releasing those, then we're only, a lot of times I find people are stuck in their healing. And I definitely was feeling that way. I just was like one of those people that I felt like I was doing everything right. I could check off all the boxes, Mm -hmm. um, but I just wasn't seeing the needle move until I started incorporating the emotional spiritual component and the brain retraining. And so with the mind, body, spirit release work, you're focusing on anything that's trapped in the body that is causing stress for the body and learning like I'm, I'm assisting people in releasing that. And so as a result, um, they're able to kind of synthesize and integrate the other things that they're doing for their healing that much more. Okay. So, um, so you're kind of, you're kind of teaching them 
the processes. So it's not just about, you know, sitting down with you and we're going to do this, this session. And then you do it again when we meet again. It's, it's a process that you're yeah, kind of. Yeah, I'm helping to facilitate it and I'm okay. measuring their bioresonance um, to an intention that we set. I think it's really important because as you guys know, the thoughts alone, it makes a profound difference with somebody's healing. I mean, there's been so many studies on this water, you know, um, yeah. plants, you know, when they talk to the plant and use hate and anger, plant died, they right. spoke love, like love and uplifting plant thrived, you know, so we know that all these things actually do make a difference. Mm -hmm. uh, so the big thing is helping people actually set an intention of what they want to embody when it comes to their health. For many people, I find this is really scary because you have to give up something to be well. That's the reality. Yeah. To be well, you're going to have to give up stuff, you know, that you've actually found comfort in. So do you have an example of that? <laughs> like, let's say you have depression. Um, what are you giving up when you are trying to step out of it? Just, just you know, maybe not, it's not for every person would be the same thing, but what is the thing that you might see that's common? Well, I think it, it comes down to like, you know, patterns, um, you know, what is kind of, do you find that is contributing to that? Are you putting yourself in stressful situations or not establishing boundaries, right? Like, what are you going to have to give up? Maybe you are in like a soul sucking job, but you're not willing to like release that and move into something that you feel called into doing, right? Oh. Like, I mean, with, um, like, you know, for my own health, I realized I had to let go of the fact that I, um, like I needed to put health first and everything else had to, like, I was like, what am I willing to give up? And I finally got to the point where I'm like everything, I'm willing to give up everything to be well. And I like prayed, like, what does that mean needs to come out of my life? And I felt like for a lot of things that I was working on in different projects, I went from like 120 miles per hour to 20, you know, and then like now I feel like I'm at like 40, I'm picking up speed, but I, I had to like rebuild my capacity again and be okay with like, I'm going to start having to say no and also being okay, not being the best and not winning and not being the top performer at my, at what I do so that I'm putting myself first. And that doesn't like, I don't need to explain that to everybody, you know, right. or a big thing for myself was not like setting boundaries and speaking up when I was being like kind of taken advantage of. Well, that typically any of that shows up in your thyroid yeah. chakra area. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, what are you willing to give up to be well, you know? Um, and I think for a lot of people, it's just unlearning a lot of their patterns and recognizing that there, I think there's a lot of a, a, a grieving process with that too. Someone I love to follow on Instagram is the holistic psychologist. And she talks about how, like, when you're doing that, a lot of times, you know, on that healing journey, um, and, and it's like that two steps forward, one step back. So it's like, as you're building more capacity, you might find yourself as you're, you're doing that step of healing, you are really tired for a week after that, because mm -hmm. you just really just move through a lot of stuff. But it's like, are you willing to be present for that? Or are you just going to keep working yourself into the ground? 
So now I'm at a place in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm willing to like, like I knew for, I think it was like next week. And I knew for like the last two weeks of December, I won't be on social media at all. Like I knew that was going to be my intentional slow time. And if I had, if you had asked me to do that a year ago, I would have said, absolutely not. You know, it's just, I was thinking, how can I possibly take time off? We have to normalize that though. Cause like the current construct that we're in is just, it's not in any Sustainable, way. Sustainable. Yeah. That's how I feel. But then when I think about, you know, just the thought of slowing down, there's a sphere that comes. And so, well, there's your, there's like kind of a root there. To, yeah. To dig into, right? Yeah. Fear like, oh my gosh, maybe I'll get too comfortable. And then I won't want to do anything, <laughs> you know? So how's and that going to be yeah, then? Digging into that is what do you fear like you're, if you're not doing anything, who are you? Right. So like, exactly. a big thing for myself was like, who am I when I'm not doing everything? Like, it's really like learning to connect back to yourself. And like, I, I feel like in a sense, falling in love with yourself, like you can't heal a body that you hate or that you dislike. And I think that's where a lot of people are challenged is that they're like on this healing journey but meanwhile, they don't like what they see. They don't like who they are. You know, it's like, well, you'll only get so far, you know? Wow, that is fascinating. And Lindsay, I know our time's limited with you, but I, I do, I would feel remiss if I just didn't ask about cancer because uh, mm -hmm. cancer is something that's been coming up a lot in, in private conversations, you know, especially, I mean, I think we're seeing uh, an some uptick, stuff, maybe. an uptick, you know, post-pandemic and, and, uh, post but uh, uh, well, who, who knows, but, but, but yeah, it's interesting you say that. Yeah. But, but I, I'm wondering, you know, from an emotional perspective, cause you know, we see a lot of people, you know, going under some pretty brutal treatment regimens, you know, whether it's radiation or, or, or chemotherapy and whatnot, but w what about the mental component with, with cancer? I mean, that's gotta be just gigantic, right? Yeah. That's where the Louise Hay books I mentioned are going to be so helpful, but yeah, I just feel like, you know, everybody has cancer cells. Not everybody gets cancer. Mm -hmm. um, so scaling back and digging into that, you know, what, what I, I feel like at that point, what's driving this toxic state of the body, right? And kind of like scaling back on that. Because um, I feel like, uh, well, and, and there's other things that I feel like contribute to that even being an issue, primarily um, heavy metals, parasites, mold. Mold is a big one. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, it just kind of gets under this umbrella term cancer. Right. And then you're like, okay, well, now you need chemo and radiation, but there's more none poison. Of, again, <laughs> yeah. And I feel like cancer, I think what's so tricky, and personally, I feel like diagnosis diagnoses in general just box us in and it's just giving people an energy and this was like another podcast whenever I'm on a long drive I'm listening to podcasts mm -hmm. but I remember listening to like a, a Weston A. Price one maybe a couple months ago that was talking about somebody was sharing how she truly believed that whenever somebody's giving out a diagnosis it's it's like malpractice because you're just giving people an energy and you're saying this is your energy um in the stance of cancer, you know, you could be saying like, this is, if this is terminal, I mean, how is the body taking on that? Yeah. And Especially coming from a 
an expert, I guess, a doctor, somebody with a white coat on saying, hey, you have five weeks to five months. Who knows, you know? And then you just take that in and we're like, well, if they're saying that they know they're talking about, they went to school, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know what's so interesting is I, I just feel like so many of these things, it's like umbrella terms for there's toxicity, there is emotional toxicity, like this is your invitation to completely change your life. Like yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Um, Cause I would say the same with like an autoimmune illness, fibromyalgia, um, lupus. I mean, anything, I, I feel like it's always an invitation to like, you need to radically change your life and what you're doing. Like some, you're not in alignment. You just aren't mm -hmm. because there's this inflammation that's happening in your body. And so that's where I feel like it's really rewarding that you guys and, and myself are, are talking because there's a generational shift happening, right? Like it's this awareness mm -hmm. of something that we've been doing for generations now is just not adding up. You know, mm -hmm. they're saying one in three people in like, you know, 2040 or 2050 is going to have cancer. Mm -hmm. And one in, what was it like? Uh, I think they said by 2050, you know, sperm counts are going to be like zero, you know, <laughs> all these things, you know. Yes. Predictive clearly, programming. <laughs> right. That, yeah. And clearly just like there has, it demands a radical shift. So mm -hmm. clearly we can't move forward with these same patterns. So I just feel like disease is always an invitation to be like, we need to shift. And especially with cancer. I mean, I love getting to talk with people that they naturally treated their cancer. They just recognized, okay, I have to go a completely different path. And it's just, their stories are fascinating. Cause I feel like, you know, they, they grew so much in their own like sovereignty and empowered in their being knowing like, okay, I'm taking this on knowing that like I was called to go like, this was part of my path. Like right. I, it was part of my path and I'm going to get through it. But yeah, I feel like Louise Hayes books are great for this because she personally went through cancer and then went through just touching on the um, emotional components that she worked on to heal. Amazing. So those were those the two books you said that you can heal yourself and you can heal your body, right? She has those too. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think she passed a couple of years ago, but she was like 80. You know, okay. she, she lived a long life. Um, she has a great affirmation deck too, but I think those books and then, uh, how do you heal yourself when no one else can? That's her just, too. Like, no, that was someone else. That that was someone else. I just think that it's just really rewarding to learn how, you know, all these patterns, it's all about shifting your mindset and paradigm. And this is the meditations that I really like are Joe Dispenza. I know for a fact Joe Dispenza is doing a lot of work in the scientific community to evaluate how are people creating these shifts. I mean, there are people with these terminal diagnoses that they're able to completely heal themselves using meditation, using that to be kind of the what pushes them into a new, they're creating a new reality mm -hmm. and a new being and creating like their bodies actually new cells and Mm -hmm. um, mute cells are like starting to do this work because of what they're creating, but it's not, it's outside of the physical body. So it's really cool. Cause I know that he's been doing a lot of research into this. I think 
I would, I'm hoping that this is where medicine is really headed, that we are like normalizing that this kind of conversation that this is where disease happens and where it can be healed is outside just the physical. Um, and wouldn't you love to think when somebody gets like a diagnosis like that, that that's the one thing that, you know, it's just them and whatever this box is, you know, that, that says, okay, look, I'm going to put up or I'm going to shut up. You know what I mean? Like it, it would put them in that state of, of I'm going after this. But I mean, I, I, I just wonder, we see so many people just, you know, taking their, their paper from the doctor and this is my fate. You know what I mean? And, and, and it would be great to see them. This is the, this is the reinvention of themselves that they could create for themselves. And, uh, I mean, I, I hope that they, they, they get some of that message from even what we're talking and about. And even today. if it's just a cold or a fever or, you know, something simple that like your body is always, you know, it's working for you. It is time totally. like, to let your go. Your body is with you, not against yeah, you. Exactly. That's always been my beef with even like an autoimmune diagnosis is people, you know, it's phrased as your body's attacking you. Right. Well, like, why are we even using that language, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so people come to me often just being like, you know, I feel like my body's so against me. And so that's like a big thing to unlearn. Mm -hmm. um, to reprogram and, so, and shift. Yes. Awesome. So for people they are just like their minds are blown, just like mine, how can they follow you? Where can they find you? So you can follow me. By going to my website, it's www.lindsaytuttlenp.com, and you can get on my email list. I send out emails uh, once or twice a week, just giving health tips and being able to share of what I'm offering. And I'm on Instagram, lindsaytuttlenp.wellness. I had another page um, that I just switched over from a month ago because you guys get it. I was like yep. so censored that I couldn't even be, I was like about to lose my account. So, um, I just created a new one and it actually felt so good to create a new thing. So, awesome. um, but that's like the best way to get connected with me. Um, I, I, I can't handle any other social media platform. At this time. <laughs> I We're going to share all those links in the show notes as well. If you guys didn't write it down. Lindsay, thank you so much for your time. That was so enlightening and so inspiring. We appreciate the work that you're doing in the world, supporting mankind by supporting yourself and teaching others to get a hold of themselves and choose something new or something better. I love it. Yeah. We'll have to have a part two. All right. For Sounds sure. Good. Thanks, thank Lindsay. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks. All right. Well, as always, we just wrapped another great episode. Yeah. Did you enjoy that interview? I think that was just so encompassing of, it was so holistic. Yeah, you yeah. Know? No, it was there, very there's good. so many new things that I had just never heard about it before, and I feel so inspired, you know, to learn more. I mean, I think if we inspected, even though we, we didn't know maybe at that depth, you know, we knew that was always a component. You know, whether you want to admit it or not. But I didn't know that it was like so simple because you talked about indigestion, which is something that I struggle with and have struggled pretty much my whole life, you know, and just the power of just sitting and taking time with your food and appreciating it and chewing it. Yeah. Uh, which seemed like so simple, you know. 
Yeah, well, we're just in such a hurry sometimes. Or we put ourselves in such a hurry. Yes, from what she said, yeah, I was in... Always go, go, go. So we're going to slow down soon because the season's almost over. We have two more episodes. Thank you so much for listening. We're so appreciative of our amazing Telegram group and our amazing listeners. So join us in the Telegram group. It's at the Collective Resistance Podcast on Telegram. Uh, Also... I want to throw out there, I want to start saying this at the beginning. I, I just keep forgetting. So next season, that's going to be my goal to be more regimented. But, you know, please uh, follow the podcast, okay? If, if you're thinking, if you're, if you're like, oh, this is kind of interesting, I'm on the fence, just go ahead and follow. <laughs> just go, just follow. And, and uh, I, I'd really like to see if we, if I make a push, can we get more of a recurring audience, you know, because, uh, we do bring in a lot of new listeners, but, Mm -hmm. but, uh, we don't get a lot of follows. So then we don't have that repeat listening. So I want to, you know, if you like what you hear, but then you just don't know, just don't know. Well, I think, but I mean, we try to put great content, uh, content out and we love doing this. We actually don't really do it so much to grow the following. We just want to get the word out that there's alternatives out there and you can live your best life in the present moment right now. Yeah. So we want to inspire everyone that's listening to, um, you know, inspire to find your power. If you're not feeling it right now, it is within you. It's in, it is within reach. Definitely. All right, here. Let me let me see if I can do this without blasting everybody out here. All right, Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Stay curious. 